Welcome back to Primetime Kansas City. On today's episode, we're going to go over the NFL draft. We're going to go over, over every Chiefs pick. We'll probably hit on some other picks from some notable teams uh, around the league. We're going to go over the NBA playoffs. Round two is kicked off. I really think the matchups that we're getting right now are setting up to be the best round of the playoffs. And then we'll get into the Royals. They're terrible. Uh, it's Time is a flat circle. They're bad again. I don't know why we expected anything else. Let's go ahead and start with the NFL draft because that's one general manager in Brett Veach who knows what he's doing. And let me mm-hmm. just ask you, Josh, what were your overall impressions of the draft that Kansas City had? I mean, overall, I liked our picks. I think we assessed the needs that we needed. Uh, I had to argue I didn't like our late first-round pick. You didn't like Carl Loftus? I don't like Carl Loftus in general. I just Why? never really thought high of him. I don't know. I I know everyone else loves it. It's a hot take, but I don't know. I just feel like there are better options, in my opinion. So I'm going to personally disagree. Um, I thought the grade I would give this draft with, what, a C-plus being an average? I would give this an easy A-plus. Um, so a C plus didn't really matter. <laughs> no, I'm saying if a C plus is average, and on a scale, I'm giving this an A plus. Like there are plenty of teams I'm giving C pluses to. I'm giving D's to, <laughs> Patriots. Um, hey, look, they drafted a they drafted a Division two player of the year. I don't want to hear shit. It's not even that Whatever. pick with New England, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, I but know, I know it's not. Look, at the end of the day, I think that the Chiefs undeniably met pretty much all the needs that they had and if you go back and take a look at the Chiefs depth chart it's pretty nice the way that things have shaped out um obviously we knew it was going to look like that given the amount of picks that we had but um I really think that they they were very well in tune with who was going to be available where they they didn't have to trade up like this is why the Karloftis pick is perfectly good to me even if like his ceiling is like an above average player like that's fine. An edge at the end of the first round—that's pretty good value for a position that doesn't okay, I mean, exactly grow on trees. Put it that way, yes. But I'm just saying, like, the way people are hyping him up, I think people—you're not gonna—he's not gonna live to all those expectations. I mean, no, and I mean, I don't think anyone says that he's not Aiden Hutchinson. He's not Kayvon Thibodeau. He's not, you know, one of those top top tier guys. But at the end of the day, I think the way that I look at this draft and say that I like it is: had you told me before the draft. If we had picked these exact same players, but like 10 picks earlier, 20 picks earlier, I would still be thrilled with all of these. If you told me we got Sky Moore at 30, I would be thrilled. If you told me we got Karloftis at 21, I would be thrilled. If you told me we traded up to 15 to get McDuffie, I would be thrilled. Um, so you, I really, were, you were okay with McDuffie getting picked up, that us trading a to get McDuffie at 21? Oh, absolutely. Up, Absolutely. Quite a, I mean, I, in my opinion, I mean, I we, think that, I didn't even know about, I didn't even know of his name. Like we didn't even have him in our mock draft. Oh yeah, we did. Okay. We I a hundred percent knew. Oh his yeah, name. we did. We had him higher than twenty one in our mock draft. Oh yeah, well, well, it tells you how much I listen. Yeah, and I don't know if Jackson agrees. Oh yeah, we had him at fifteen. One, one assertion I would make is that I think Sky Moore was one of their top receiving targets going into the draft. I would think, given his Probably. profile, that it. It's when they when they heard that he was going to be available where he was available. That was, I guarantee you, thrilling news for that front office because 
I really think that whether or not he's going to be a star is still yet to be seen, but I think that he just does a lot of things that this Chiefs offense can really use, and I am overjoyed. And reminder that we basically traded back. We got um, Darian Kennard just yeah. by moving back four picks and still getting Sky Moore. And a lot of people were like, oh, we missed out on Pickens, all of this. Uh, look, if you want to just kill your Pickens hype real quick, he's a diva and his hands are tiny and he's played like 12 football games in the past four years. Um, mm-hmm. He, you know, that's all you got to know. And I'm, I, I could not be more happy. I think the Chiefs absolutely killed it. Yeah. I think they did as well. I think trading up for McDuffie, just from a personal standpoint, I liked the move. Like I've said, um, I thought McDuffie was my favorite corner in this class. I had him over guys like Stingley and Sauce Gardner. Uh, I just think he's a Jair Alexander-type physical player, uh, and he's already 197 pounds. I feel like he's going to bulk up even more in the NFL, which is good because I feel like we've had, to put it in terms, some pussy corners that don't want to make tackles. Uh, I think you're going to need a guy like Trent McDuffie to come in there and start hitting. Um, I like that. And not that it actually matters, but he's from Washington, which is a very good cornerback pedigree school as well. I, I mean, mean, Marcus Peters, Byron they, Murphy. Yeah, no, they pump him out. Uh, they had they had a guy mm-hmm. go in the second round, Kyler Gordon to the Bears. So I mean, they, yep. they you know they are good at pumping out corners. That's always something to look at. Um, I think the pick that interested me the most was Brian Cook out of Virginia, uh, safety. Because he's a very, very raw player. He's kind of, I don't want to like say he's not intelligent, but he does give up some big plays schematically. He could definitely improve. But my goodness, he's a Cam Chancellor type player. He just comes down and hits. He just reacts. He thumps people. And I feel like the Chiefs need that. They need a hard-hitting safety. Because there was a lot of times last year that Teron Matthew would make business decisions and he would really not put forth the best tackling effort. And then there was times, you know, just guys like Thornhill and Sorensen aren't great tacklers in themselves. So I feel like, you know, adding a guy like that was needed in the secondary. And I think it's important to note, too, I I think that exact profile you described applies to literally every single one of the Chiefs players that they drafted in terms of wanting to go slap someone in the face. I mean, Trent McDuffie, uh, Leo Chanel. uh, Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned it. Obviously, Brian's a standout there. Uh, also, Joshua Williams as well. Um, they a bunch of physical corners. I I don't think we're gonna be complaining about the Chiefs not being able to tackle very much yeah. anymore. Because I mean that has been something. But yeah, if these and guys think, get on the field, it's not going to be that the they problem. They kind of told you within this offseason the identity that they're looking at. They don't want to be this finesse team anymore. They don't want to be this team that can only beat you in a way that they're like. Okay, we're going to put up a lot of points. We're going to throw the ball deep. We're going to do this. They've kind of changed their identity they, by willing to trade Tyree Kill, adding in a bunch of physical guys. Like we said, really the only guy in this entire class that's not really physical is Sky Moore, who's a slot receiver. Uh, so you look at it, and I feel like, yeah, the identity of this team kind of changed. you got McDuffie, who's physical. Karloftis is physical. Cook, Chanel, even the later round guys you brought up, even that running back we took can be physical. I watched some of his stuff. He's kind of a pound guy. He'll go at a guy. He, so He know, said his favorite play in all of college was a pass-blocking play. Yeah, that just literally made me horny. Like, I that's love the that. type of guy I want. Yeah. Um, and he well, also said when they asked him, they said, what do you – I think they asked him what his expectations were or what he wanted to do in the NFL, and he said, take another grown man's job. So that's fun, funny. I like that answer. I like um, it. But, yeah, no, I think the Chiefs absolutely killed this draft. Look, will some of these guys not work out? Yeah, some of these guys aren't going to work absolutely. out that we think that will. But I feel like from positional value, 
from just value in itself, I feel like they played the draft pretty well. They traded up for the guy that they had to, and they let the rest of the board fall to them pretty much. So I think mm-hmm. they did a pretty good job. Um, and I think you might see a similar impact that last year's had last year's class had uh to this year you know like last year when humphrey and bolton and trey smith came in yep and really made a huge difference i feel like you could see the same thing this year with the guys we took they all feel like immediate impact guys yep and i i just yeah you're 100 right and one thing that i also want to note with this is that oh my goodness there's just so much depth in the secondary like Finally. i that is great that is amazing. Finally. I mean, yeah, because this is something that I think was stressful for the entire offseason. And now I'm not too worried about it. I think the the loss of Tyron Matthew and Traverius Ward has been, I would say, completely filled up. And probably, and then some, in my opinion. Um, probably. And, and they get the trade earlier this week with Houston. Uh, what's his name? Lonnie, Lonnie something? Johnson. Lonnie Johnson, yeah. Um, I mean, not like a star player, but no. even more depth to that secondary, which is just going to be totally revamped. So nice. Yeah, I mean, I think that they kind of knew going into this draft what everybody else knew is that defensively they had to get better. Um, Veach had never really prioritized secondary in, in the draft, which was something that, you know, I feel like we had talked about before that, you know, the highest corner he had taken was Snead in the fourth. And so I, it was mm-hmm. refreshing to see him really prioritize the secondary, really prioritize a pass rush. Uh, because, you know, really pass rush-wise, the guys he's taken have been Breland Speaks and Tano Kasimpa, or however you say his last name. So, you know, we haven't even had the best pass rush from the draft picks. I mean, I think that's a good thing to bring up. I mean, when you look at Veach this, or this year, I'm pretty sure he said today, defense was always their priority this year for the draft, which he kind of already kind of spoke about. He's never really done that th- in his stint as GM. Yeah, not as much. And, yeah, not as much as, like, uh, first and second overall picks. I mean, I know we got Nick Bolton last year, and that worked out well. Yeah. But seeing Beach use both first-round picks on defensive players, I mean, yeah. it's definitely a risk. It's definitely showing where we need uh, to work on strength and numbers. And, I mean, we'll see if it works out. But you saw around the league, it wasn't just Kansas City. You saw Buffalo spend a first-round pick on a corner. Um, you know, you saw right like, after we picked Trent McDuffie. I really hope they wanted him, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they got Kyer Elam, who I think in our mock we did, we mocked him to Kansas City at 30, so he went yep, even higher. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you just saw like around the league, for one, this wasn't a very good offensive draft for the most part outside of receiver, and basically all the receivers were gone by 20. So then you look at that, and it just, yeah, I mean, with how good the AFC offenses are. Not only did Kansas City go heavy defense, but really the league did. The league went heavy defense this year. There's just a lot of good talent there. Yeah, I mean, only one quarterback was selected in the first round. That was surprising. I was actually like... I said I would have taken the under on three and a half or two and a half quarterbacks getting selected. Yeah, I mean, I just I got fooled by a historical reaching of quarterbacks, but that didn't happen this year. I'm pretty year. sure on last week I even said if it, if it was one and a half, I would have taken the under. I mean, if you... But I would say this. The QB that got selected wasn't the one that I thought was going to get selected. Well, you said, I mean, when we did the mock last week, you were the one that said Kenny Pickett to Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm, I'm just yeah, still... I think... I'm just still surprised, man. I, I cannot believe how far these guys fell in the draft. 
I know it wasn't a great year for quarterbacks, but I mean, my goodness, there was Malik Willis at 86. Like that teams, teams like the Seahawks in, you know, the Texans or whoever you may be that, you know, aren't set a quarterback. If you passed on him three times, you better pray to God he doesn't work out. Because if he does, you are going to get fired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing that was most surprising about it is people weren't even risking seconds. I mean, no. if you need a quarterback to fall in the second round, you're pretty bold for waiting until the third if you want that guy. But I guess the, the demand was not very high Ritter at all. went to the Falcons. Corral went to Ritter, the uh, Panthers, and Ritter right? went before Malik. I was like, what the hell is happening? That was surprising. The But just really to put it into context, Sam Howell in the fifth round, like that, this was a guy when we started this draft process that people were talking about sneaking into the late first round, like early second round, late second. Or early well, at the beginning of the year, he was the number one overall pick. He was going to be the number one overall pick. Like the amount that quarterbacks fell in this class was unprecedented. And yes, it was a weaker class. But my goodness, I mean, teams just, I guess if you weren't going to spend a first-round pick on one, you didn't feel the need to go get one. Everybody after that basically was taken as a backup. So, you know, that was that was probably the most shocking part of draft night to me. Um, going over the draft, I know not every team, uh, not everybody knows every team should, and I all the picks. But I, I think gonna, the one that we should talk about, obviously, is the first, I think, shocker. Which is? I mean, wouldn't it have been Sauce? Or not, excuse me, not Sauce, Derek Stingley? Yeah, I mean, it's the one pick out of the first five I think we didn't get. Uh, yeah, Stingley at three was, uh, you know, a bit of a reach. I We had him, I believe, at nine. I don't know. If you're the Texans, though, like we talked about when we did our mock, they're so bad at every position that literally just take anybody you want. Just take somebody. If you have somebody, whoever you have highest on your board, it doesn't matter what position, take them. And so I, am I surprised they did it? Yeah, I was a little surprised they went Stingley that high. But, you know, it, it makes sense. Who did they yeah. take at 13? They traded out of 13, I believe, right? Um, yeah, they did. Yeah, they traded out of 13. Somewhere, I think Olave went 13, right? 13 was uh, Jordan Davis. The Eagles traded out to go get Jordan Davis. Uh and then let's see, Houston traded back to 18, fifteen or eighteen or fifteen. Yeah, Houston traded back to fifteen and got Kenyon Green, an offensive lineman out of Texas A and M. So I mean, like I said, I mean, this is a team that's so far away from competing. Literally, just take the guys. Like, just literally, just take the best player on your big like, board. Just yeah, take the just go on auto pick. Just like literally anybody that's been mocked in the first round would make sense to you because you just have you don't have positional needs. You just have an entire franchise of needs. So I, you know. As easy as it would be to be like, wow, they really didn't like Kenyon Green. Like, that's not really that sexy of a pick. They're terrible. Like, anybody you can bring in is a plus. So, I thought Houston did fine. Who would you guys say did the worst in this draft? Um, Probably or, the Patriots. Probably, did we have to give someone a worst draft? I mean, that's a pretty popular pick. Uh, the first round pick, obviously, yeah. was hilarious. Cole Strange. Uh, My favorite part from that pick is Sean McVay's reaction yeah. saying, man, we thought he was going to fall down to 104. Yeah. Uh, it's dumber. But you see, that one I wasn't like overly like – I was like, that's a very New England pick. That's something they would you do. You want to know who won the draft but in hold, But hold on. But in round two – I'll let you do that after this. In round two, they traded with Kansas City to trade up to take um, – 
Tyquan Thornton, the yeah, the receiver out of Baylor, with Pickens and Sky Moore on the board. That was a very Yeah, like why were they worried? Okay, yeah, you have to think about this, guys. I mean, are we really about to question uh, Bill Belichick? Yes, because I yes, can't. I, the Patriots I drafting should the Patriots drafting in the last like ten years has been shit. It's been terrible. Yeah. So yes, I can't outside if you okay, if you want to count Mac Jones this past year, because he was a Pro Bowl alternate. The only other Pro Bowler they had taken in the past ten years was a punter. So, like, yeah, I'm going to question New England at this point. Their drafting right. has been shit. And then, you know, third round, they take a corner. I wasn't really, you know, that was fine. But then in the fourth round, they take a quarterback? You just took a quarterback last year in the first. Did, did yeah, they, what was that dude's name? Uh, Bailey <laughs> Zapp, I think is his name. Yeah, Zapps, something like yeah, that. Something I knew like he had that. a funny name. I was confused as hell by their draft. I didn't understand that part of it at all. But, yeah, go ahead. Who do you think was the biggest winner, Josh? It's the Jets. It's not even close. A lot of people are saying that, yeah. I mean, look, Sauce Gardner at four. And, and I think I think the Giants also. Yeah, I think the of city of New York did really good. Yeah, I mean, look. Baltimore did very well in my Baltimore opinion. Baltimore did very, very well. Baltimore did very Let's good. Get a first-round pick and Kyle Hamilton. I mean, that's just incredible value. I'd say another team that I thought had a run. Well, are we going to say Baltimore did well because what did they trade – Marquise Brown, a first what did they get pick? back? Oh, never mind. That's fucking incredible yeah. value. Um, yeah, and then they they took still, Tyler Linderbaum like, with it. I'll tell you a team that I think got, had a shit draft was the Cowboys. Um, first round, Tyler Smith thought that was a pretty big reach at tackle. Also, not really a huge need for Dallas at tackle, especially when you lost Amari Cooper in the offseason. Surprised they didn't you know try and address that at all. But, you know, that pick was bad, in my opinion. And then you go on in the second round, and they reach on a guy, Sam Williams, in my opinion, an edge. Like I just feel like the entire draft for Dallas, for one, they didn't hit positional needs, and for two, they reached. I felt like I think they had a terrible draft. I think I agree with everybody, every uh, your guys' opinions that, you know, with the, guy, the teams that did well. Um, Minnesota is a team I thought did terrible in this draft. Yeah, Minnesota didn't do good. Because you traded from 12 to 32. And, okay, you know, you want to trade down, that's fine. But you traded with Detroit, and they got Jamison Williams. So now you have to Who's face him twice supposedly a year. ready. Like, he'll be, if not ready, you know, he'll be there by October, November, whatever. No, he said he's, he said he's ready for training camp. Well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, he might be. But regardless, the point is, you just let yeah. a dynamic wide receiver in your division. And then in the second round, you had the 34th pick, and you traded it to Green Bay, and they move up and get Christian Watson a wide receiver. So you just gave <laughs> two teams in your division a wide receiver, and probably wide receiver one on both of them. That was baffling to me. I understand, look, trading down, moving around in the draft, sure. But giving both of your you know, division rivals, those high up picks to take receivers, it. I feel like they're going to regret it. I mean, I feel like at some point, if it's not uh, Williams, it'll be Watson, or if it's not Watson, it'll be Williams, or it could be both. But they're going to sting Minnesota for that. So to me, it, it would. I mean, it's essentially like the Chiefs trading with the Raiders and Chargers, and the Raiders and Chargers both getting a big need. Yep. It's like you don't. <laughs> yeah. You don't do that. You know, you'd really just. Try your best not to trade it within the division. But, yeah. Um, you know, I think this was overall, you know, a solid draft. There wasn't the star power that a lot of other drafts have. But, like, like you know, we've touched on it. I think there was, you know, I don't think there was a ton of bad drafts. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
I think there was only a few teams that I... It was hard to have a bad draft this year, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's only a few teams where I'm like, eh, like, I don't know about that. But for the most part, I think teams did pretty well this year. I think, you know, obviously the grades are going to be bumped by not reaching on quarterbacks. And the one team that did take one Pittsburgh made total sense. They didn't trade up. They stayed at 20. And they were like, you know what? We'll just take one. You know, it might not work, but you're you're at 20. It, it, we don't have a quarterback. We got to take one. So, you know, I think overall teams did pretty well in this draft. I will say I would not have taken Trayvon Walker yep. number one. I don't think he was the number one pick. Well, but now looking forward to next year, who's your number one pick, early number one pick? Whew. Bryce Man. Young to the Texans. Yeah, I mean, th- that's tough. Uh, I'm not going to guess team just because that's, like, nearly impossible to get. Uh, I normally don't start my homework on these guys until about, like, August. But I'd say just from what we know, Will Anderson Jr. out of Alabama, the linebacker, he's like Kayvon Thibodeau, like, on steroids. That guy is insane. I, know, Bryce, I just really wanted your opinion because you know more than Bryce me. Young. CJ Stroud, quarterback out of Ohio Ooh, State. CJ is good. He's really good. And I'll tell you another guy that could go high is uh, Will Levis out of Kentucky, the quarterback. He's a guy who a lot of people like, but the top receiver next year is going to be out of Ohio State again. It's going to be Jackson Smith Najigba. I don't know how to say his name yet. Um, <laughs> But he was the one who fucking went crazy in the Rose Bowl this past year. Yeah, he's, what, 213 yards and yeah, three touchdowns? He's going like to be that? a top 10 pick next year. Next year, this year was very defensive. I have a feeling next year is going to flip. It's going to be very offensive in the top of the draft. So we'll see. Which everyone else really likes. I mean, yeah, that's, that's as from a fan's perspective. Hands in Kansas City. From a fan's perspective, that is more fun than a defensive player. But, yeah, we'll see. A lot of time. I mean, I saw a, a mock. And this will kind of wrap up our draft talk, but I saw a mock last year's way too early mock, and like the number one pick was Spencer Rattler, <laughs> um, and then I think one of the other ones was Sam Howell in the top five, and they did get Stingley and uh, Thibodeau right, but that was it. So it's it's hard a full year in advance, but that's why it's fun. Um, okay. Also, uh, developing news. Uh-huh. Tyler Hero has been named Sixth Man of the Year. So, Jackson, the early NBA award predictions have been awarded to you. I got something right, finally. Oh, man. Last year we didn't get any of those right. All right, cool. Uh, Good transition, Josh, because we're going to the NBA playoffs. Um, It's round two. Honestly, the matchups kick ass right now. Like, all of these matchups are are super good. You're so upset if you didn't see one game like... You want to watch every single minute, like the like. I agreed with you. I think the second round's easily by by far the this, best. This this is like to me like the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Like it's to me, it's always the best round, just because you have a good product on the court and you have a good amount of it. Because when you get to the next round, you really get one game a night. Some nights you don't get one. You know, right now you're getting two games a night. It's a good, healthy balance. You know, in the first round, there's way too many games. And there's way too many shit teams in the playoffs. But now you're at the perfect timing. So let's just, you know, we got four series to break down. Let's start. I'll start but I'll start in the West. We'll go to the East. Suns and Mavericks. Suns lead the series 1-0 currently. Is there any chance Luka can lead this Dallas team past Phoenix? No. I think this is yes. I think this is the shortest series. Really? I got Suns in five. Mm. What about you, John? Dude. Luca ain't going in five. Let, like, let's be honest here. Luca is a monster. 
Uh, I mean, he obviously he loses last night, but in yeah. Phoenix, uh, he's not going to get whipped out at home, I don't think. Um, so yeah, I'll take I'll take Suns and six still, but I think Luca puts up a great fight. Cause, yeah, I mean, look, uh, Luca just... in game one dropped forty five. If he could have gotten like any second man contribution, he probably. I mean, they got Luca gets a second guy next year. The NBA's fucked. What's funny is they won the first two games of the playoffs. He didn't play in. Jalen Brunson decided to like actually play good basketball. But yeah, I mean, I look. This has been my hot take. I said it before the series started. I like Dallas in seven. I really do. I think that with I don't know what it is. I just think it's Lucas time. Like there are superstars in this league that have those breakout playoff runs, and I feel like right now is Lucas time. This is a what great. What if we sun- somehow uh, got Grizzlies Mavs? That'd be lit. Um, you know, I feel like right now that the Suns, you know, look, they got, they got, I know Booker got hurt, but they got tested pretty good from New Orleans. And if New Orleans can take you six, and that wasn't just six, that was six hard. That was some hard, you know, they had to finish off tough. Um, I think Dallas has a good chance to beat you as well. I think game one obviously had to go to Phoenix at home, but I feel like if, as long as Dallas can steal one on the road, I actually like them to win this in seven. That's my upset pick of the playoffs. So moving down, uh, we got yeah. Wilson. I mean, oh, go ahead. No, I was I was just gonna say I I agree with what you're saying, but I also think that in some ways the phenomena of stars having breakout runs in the playoffs might be a little more difficult when you look at the way that Chris Paul's been playing. Yeah, uh, that's for because he also has to see the walls closing in because he doesn't have much time. Yeah. to get a ring, and this might be the best chance he's ever had. I feel like we say that every year with Chris Paul. Like last year, it was like he's never. But I feel like this is actually his best. Like, has he ever been the favorite? I mean, yeah. Other than last year, he's he's probably never been the favorite. So, yeah. Um, Okay, so Warriors Grizzlies. Warriors lead the series one zero. I'm gonna start this one. I think Warriors gentlemen sweep. I know game one was super duper good, but Draymond gets suspended in the first half. It's in Memphis, and like. Curry, like, didn't have his best game. Like, I don't know. I feel like if Memphis can't win that one, there's no chance they can win this series. Which is very fair. Like, yeah, I think that's I think we're starting to see the Warriors that we saw three years ago. They're going to make the NBA Finals. And I bet you... They'll probably... I, I mean, they could win do, it. Yeah, I, I'm sticking towards my Warriors-Celtics pick. Mm, yeah. No, I mean... it. It's very possible. And I think what you're saying, and we talked about it, the Grizzlies, look, the Grizzlies were very fortunate to get out of the first round. They trailed like 80% of that series, and they somehow won in six. Uh, the, just the inexperience from Minnesota really killed them. So I, I really think this goes gentlemen sweep, Golden State. John. Yeah, I think Golden State wins. I'll go in six. I, I, got, I got Warriors in six. I do want to push slightly against the assertion that they're going back to three years ago levels. I don't think that Steph Curry is quite the same animal that he was at that point in time. And I mean, I think Clay Thompson also, it can be said the same for him. And I don't know. That team was just really damn good, but I I'm interested to see how this goes. Also fun fact, the ESPN matchup predictor has Memphis with a 68% chance yep, to win tonight. tonight. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, this I mean, is it, a best chance. It is a desperation game. Like teams, either 
Teams in desperation games either shit themselves or they play their best basketball ever, and there's never really an in-between. Like it, I feel like if you're Memphis, you cannot go down 0-2 to Golden State. It just can't happen. Has, has Steve Kerr only lost two uh, playoff series in his life? As a coach? Or as a Warriors head coach? Yeah, I was going to say. As a Warriors um, head coach. He lost the finals, finals once, and then and the he finals. lost the finals again. And that's all. And he lost a play-in round last year. Yeah, I don't think that counts. So yeah, that's he's not on, playoff. He's only lost two series in his entire coaching career, which is nuts. That, yeah, he's an eighteen and one after well, uh, winning game one. Or wait, yeah, yeah after yeah, winning game. Yeah, one. yeah, right. Because yep, that's right. He's because Toronto won game one in twenty nineteen. So yeah, the only series he's ever lost after winning game one is the twenty sixteen finals. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane. Uh, move to the East, and we'll start with the Heat and the Sixers. The Heat currently lead the series 1-0. Injuries on both sides of this series. The Sixers a little more right. serious. Um, you got Joel Embiid, who's been out. There's a possible Game 3 return from him. Um, maybe not. We'll see. And then you got on the Heat side, Lowry, who's been out since Game 3 in Atlanta. Obviously not as big of an impact player as Embiid, but still kind of hindering Miami. So what are your guys' thoughts on this series? I think Miami's going to win it. I think Doc Rivers is trash as hell. And I don't really have much more for that because he's not going to win without Embiid. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Sixers, Sixers were winning at half last night. At the time we're recording this, I think they need Joel back ASAP. He's only now just starting concussion protocol. I don't know how long that takes. Mm-hmm. But they're going to need him a lot sooner th- rather than later. Yeah. If they want a chance. Yeah, I mean, I think there's absolutely no way they can win this series without Embiid playing, not just playing, like playing serious minutes. He has to play 30 yeah. to 40 minutes a game. It can't be off the bench. It has to be playing because in reality they have nobody else that can stop Bam Adebayo in the paint. He ate DeAndre Jordan alive last night. He destroyed anything that they wanted to do because Jimmy Butler last night only shot 5 of 16. He wasn't necessarily dominant, but they had nobody that could stop Bam and I'm t- I mean, like we talked about, Hero won six man of the year. Him coming off the bench, they have no answer for that either, which is what I've been saying all season is that Miami's depth is like one of the rare teams that are deep without a superstar. And it you know it shows they're absolutely just torching people whenever the benches come into the game. So I, I like Miami in six. I don't think this is an easy series by any, by any means. I think Philly's good enough to get a few games on them, but – I don't see a scenario where Philly can win this series. I don't see a scenario where they can beat Miami four times. I just don't see it happening. And then in the series I think is the best series of this postseason, the one I actually am really, really hoping goes deep is Celtics-Bucks. Bucks Bucks took game one, 101-89. What do you guys think of this series? I hope it goes seven. If it doesn't, that's a lot down. Yeah. 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 I'll agree with that. I I really think the stakes are so high for Giannis this offseason because or not playoff not offseason playoffs. Um yeah. if he wins the title, mm-hmm. he will have two rings and two MVP awards. Um yeah. Yeah. I mean, I that speaks <laughs> for itself. It's obviously I think this is probably the best the most highly contested series we've seen so far. Uh-huh. Um and I think it's a little hard to predict who will win, all things considered. But going on the road and winning Sunday night was pretty big for Milwaukee. I think that they're kind of in the driver's seat now. 
If they take game two, I mean, I don't see a scenario where Boston wins the series. I think it's a must win, obviously, for Boston in game two. You know, it's going to be hard to, it would be almost impossible to beat this Bucks team four out of the next six games. It would be almost impossible. Or four out of the next, yeah, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, I think that, uh, yeah, I would take, right now I'm leaning Milwaukee. Coming into this series, I was leaning Boston. I think just the game one win really moves that. If Middleton doesn't come back this series, I still think that Boston is going to have an edge. But if Middleton does come back this series, then I don't, I actually don't think this goes seven. I think it goes six. My, I'm a, I'm gonna go Bucks and seven right now. But this to me is the best. This probably will be the best series of the playoffs. I hope it is. I got Celtics and seven. Yeah, this is just honestly the toughest, like one of the toughest series I've ever had to predict coming in, like since I've started watching basketball. You've got, I mean. I want to stick with Milwaukee because I think they have the best player in the NBA right now. I don't think that. I know that. Uh, but, man, Boston's a damn good team, and Tatum's playing at an insanely high level. So, you know, this is going to be tough. I think Milwaukee, just because they have Giannis, gets my pick in seven. If Giannis wins a ring this year, kind of to what John was saying, where does that rank him all time? Because, like, if what? If he wins a ring this year, if the Bucks go back-to-back and Giannis wins the championship, where does that rank him all-time? Because to be honest with you, I think that puts him above Kevin Durant all-time. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I honestly do. No, I, I think you need to have more experience. Okay, but he has... If he I does, understand more rings. No, he yes, doesn't have more rings. rings. He has the same amount of rings, same. but he has more MVPs. I mean, it's not... and. And if they go on to win a championship this year, he will have beaten Kevin Durant in both times he went to go on to win a championship. Well, just think about this. KD, I mean, I could just be LeBron sucking right now, but KD had a way harder competition to win MVPs than I feel like Giannis does. I mean, Kevin Durant, Giannis, to flip that, Giannis has had an incredibly tougher time winning the finals. It's tough... An incredibly less supporting cast than Kevin Durant had in Golden State. So, you know, to flip that, does Kevin Durant go back-to-back with this Bucks team? I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Kevin Durant's an all-time great, but his two rings came from Golden State. They came from being with Hall of Famer Curry, Hall of Famer Thompson, Hall of Famer Draymond Green, great coach and Steve Kerr, depth out the ass. Like, I just think if he wins a ring this year, there's a serious argument he has a better career he's higher legacy wise than kevin durant is like i think i think it's not even crazy to say go ahead john no i mean i think you're absolutely right i think you're absolutely right and i mean i think maybe the biggest side to it was the field last year yeah well at at the end of the day if he gets it done this year it's kind of like and he, I mean, Jackson about brought it? it up last year. He, he still went, even though the field last year, I mean, he still went through KD. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he even, did. He did. Even he though did. Brooklyn was banged up, I mean, he did go through KD. Had, in all honesty. Oh, the, yeah. I mean. The best finals. I think it's obvious. If Brooklyn's if Brooklyn's healthy, that playoff run, they won the finals easily. Yeah, they probably do. Um, but, I mean, that's just, yep. you know, the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. You get breaks, you know. You know, Durant caught a break. Does Durant get that second ring if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt in 2018? You know, they're down 3-2 in the series. 
I may probably not. The Rockets probably hang on to win that series if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt. So it's just, you know, no one ever seems to remember that stuff. They just remember the championships. And I think if Giannis gets another one, then he's, I mean, I don't know where you can even rank him all time. He could be top 15 player ever if he wins this year. Like he's. Oh, if he wins this year, I'm not even joking. I was going to put him top 10. Yeah, top 10 is like not crazy. Like he to me is the one guy still in the NBA, or there's other guys that are younger, but he's the one guy who legitimately has a chance to overlap LeBron in like career. I don't think there's another player. I, I mean, I truly think he's the Patrick Mahomes of the NBA. I just don't think that there is like another player active right now that is going to get close to LeBron other than Giannis. I think he's the only guy that has a chance. So, I mean, you know, whatever you want to say, I don't, I'm not saying he will catch him because LeBron obviously has just had a ridiculous career, but I think Giannis, you know, it's all said and done. I don't think it's even crazy to say he is going to be a top 10 player. Like it feels like that's more likely than him not being a top 10 player at this point. Yep. I would tend to agree. And I mean, I feel like you have to make some pretty dangerous assertions to argue that he won't be at the end. So, yeah. 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 So uh, I know Josh, you still have Celtics warriors. John, who do you have in the finals? Uh, I am probably going, God, I haven't, haven't given this the most thought, but part of me starting to foresee a rematch of last year. Bucks Suns. With Suns Bucks. Yeah. We'll see though. I think it could go a lot of different ways. My prediction coming into the playoffs, I think, was Heat Suns, but I have this you know, I still think that's a very likely matchup. But I'm gonna go Heat Warriors. Uh I think Golden State's playing the best basketball of any team in the NBA right now, to be completely honest. The 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 assertion of uh or not the assertion, but just the breakout of Jordan Poole has made that team so deadly again. And I, I don't really Why know. If there's a team that can finals, beat them. Uh, he wasn't even a candidate, right, for most improved player of the year. Yeah, that right? was stupid, that he wasn't even a candidate for most improved player. He should have won the damn award. The fact that they gave mm-hmm. it to John Morant. Look, I don't think you can win rookie of the year and most improved. I don't think that that's like... Oh, that made no sense. I don't think that makes any sense. Like, maybe if you were, like, rookie of the year, like a Tyreek Evans, and then, like, 10 years later, you had a breakout year, maybe. But, like... But not back-to-back. But not, like this close together like this is like you won rookie of the year and most improved in like a three-year stretch like i don't feel like that makes any sense like pool would have made way more sense there's a lot of guys that would have darius garland would have made more sense like that made no sense that was easily their worst voting that they did i mean tyrese halliburton made more sense i mean there was literally so many like john morant got a ton better but like that's not how it works. Like you can't. Like, like they drafted him to be good. They didn't draft him. To well, be not just improving. that, but like you can't go from like all star to most improved player. If you're an all star, like there's not that much more room for you to like grow and become that much godlier. It just doesn't work like that. Like Jordan Poole is the guy that it should have been. A guy who struggled to make the roster. A guy who's you know in and out of the G League, and all of a sudden now he's averaging twenty plus points a game on the Warriors. That's most improved. You know not. And that's nothing against John Morant. John Morant did improve this year, but the award shouldn't work like that. It should work for a guy who was a nobody who be, who broke out. All right, so that's uh, enough NBA talk for now. And we'll go into the Royals now. The Royals, as we're recording this, are sitting at 7-14. and 14. Um, Offense is the worst in the MLB. They average three runs a game. That's by far the worst. 
Uh, who wants to go first on this train wreck? Because this is honestly what I've been looking forward to all week. I've been waiting to get my frustrations out on the podcast. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, fuck. There's like, nothing good. Zach Granke's six runs support in his five starts. Six it's impossible. Eight runs it's nearly impossible. Starts. Yeah, I mean, it sounds. I mean, it's, it sounds ridiculous because it is ridiculous. Brad Keller, shit. For his previous start, he only had two runs support and four starts. I mean, when you have your two best pitchers going up, uh-huh. like you need to win those games. Yeah. And the fact that we're not is ridiculous. Like, it doesn't make sense to me how the fuck this team doesn't ha- get their bats going. We have the number one baseball prospect who has a 10-game hitting streak. We have the number one batting average in the American League. We are mm-hmm. fucking the home run leader from last year, but we can't even put two fucking runs on the board some oh, days. Fuck two. We, I mean, we've been shut out. I mean, it's it's absolutely embarrassing. Your lineup has Merrifield hitting one fifty. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, I was gonna say, and you have the hits leader since two thousand seventeen. You have Merrifield batting one fifty, Perez batting one eighty, Santana batting one sixty, Dozier batting two twenty, Bobby Witt batting two twenty, Michael A. Taylor batting one ninety six, and Nicky Lopez batting two twenty. It's god awful. Like it is just dog shit. Like somebody has to be held accountable for this. It's absolutely ridiculous. I saw a comparison, and I know the NFL and MLB aren't always easy to compare. But think about if Brett Veach, when we won that Super Bowl in uh, it was 2020, 2019, 2020. Think about if the next seven years he went without having a winning season. Would he have a fucking job? No, he fucking wouldn't have a job. Yeah, in the, the Royals, but he isn't- not only. Fucking kept Dayton Moore. They promoted him. Okay. I will agree Dayton Moore is not I am not a Dayton Moore defender anymore, and I agree with that. I um look, at the end of the day, I think that the reality of this situation that we need to look at is that the Kansas City Royals are not guaranteed success. Reminder, before we last made the playoffs, it was thirty years. Or 29 years since we had last made the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I'm inclined to believe that the timeline is going to look a little more similar to that. I I know it's only 21 games into the season and all of this, but I think that like this quote-unquote window is dead and that the Royals will lose 100 games before they'll win 90. Um, it's... I, I don't know what, what's going to happen at this point to make it better. Like, what are... We, what are they going to do to get better players? Though? Look, like, it's, I, it's not what can even, they do? It's not even that. It's that when you are consistently losing, even if another guy might not be that much better, a change of scenery, a change of a voice, a change of direction is just a breath of fresh air. And I feel like the franchise needs it. Look, name one thing Mike Matheny does well, because I can't fucking name it. That pray. dumbass has. I saw someone respond with "pray," and I thought that was the funniest that shit. That motherfucker <laughs> has Ryan O'Hearn batting cleanup tonight. Are you fucking serious? Like I know you weren't. <laughs> I know you weren't given like a god squad Yankee lineup, but you have one of the shittiest hitters in baseball batting cleanup. I don't understand. I never understood why they hired him in the first place. It wasn't like he was some exciting young manager. It wasn't anybody that had done jack shit other than inherit Tony Larusa's Cardinals. That, to me, never made any sense. The players aren't getting any better under him, so he's obviously not doing a great job of developing. I I don't know what to say. You have three starting pitchers giving you good outings in uh, Grinky Keller and Lynch, but the bats are ass, 
And the bullpen has recently been ass. And I don't know what you do about that. I honestly don't. Honestly, though, you have at some point you have to hold Dayton accountable for missing on so many draft picks and being extremely, extremely cheap. I know it's not all on him, but the guys he has paid haven't worked out. It's just a complete clusterfuck, and it's not getting any better anytime soon, like John said. This team has absolutely no signs of life. Well, I mean, the only thing I disagree with you on, and I'm not saying that we need to fire people, or I'm not saying that like those jobs should be fully secure, but I don't think that firing any of those people you mentioned is going to mitigate the problem at all either. Like, I think this is just the reality of it. I I think that people need to look at how exorbitantly lucky we were to ever be good in 2015 in the first place. Um, we basically, like, for lack of a better term, raw-dogged our way to a World Series. Um yeah. I I really do not like have any confidence in the Royals. I have very little interest in the Royals. Um, I don't see that changing for a while because they are just they're terrible. They're so bad, um, and I, they've gotten worse. Like I think this team is oh, uh, obviously once again, it's early. They can go on a run, yada yada yada. It's too late. Like it's over. Like they're. It's this this season is at best as good as last year. Yeah. Like and that would be crazy, honestly. Well, no, it wouldn't be crazy. That's probably what's gonna end up happening. But the thing is is that I just I don't know. Unless unless you think Bobby Wood Jr. is a star and MJ Melinda is also gonna be a star and Nick Prado is also gonna be a star, the rest of those guys aren't getting any younger. Um and Alberto Mondesi is a sunk cost. He's another guy that the organization has funneled that bets into um, for literally no payoff whatsoever. Um, so I think the cycle will honestly repeat itself before we come on and talk about how good the Royals are. That's my opinion. And I think every point you made is correct, but I am like the philosophy that, Oh, we have to like hope for lightning to strike to be good. Like for a three year window every like 20 years is bullshit. Like that's not acceptable. That's not something that if Tampa can fucking do it with their cheap ass ownership and if the athletics can do it with their cheap ass ownership, I don't want to hear the excuses that, well, well, we're not a big market. Look at those markets. I mean, obviously Oakland just sold everybody off because they have a cheap ass owner, but they're able to put a good product on the field. They don't go seven straight years of being terrible. They don't. They don't go seven straight seasons of being a laughable product. And really, honestly, the over the last seven years, there's nobody that's been as consistently shit as us other than the Orioles. It's it's terrible. It's absolutely it's inexcusable at that point. I don't I don't know how to fix it. I'm not gonna claim that I'm some fucking genius that knows how to fix it, but I can say that it's it's gotten to a point to where losing like this is unacceptable at this point. The rebuild should be way further along than it is. No, I agree. I agree. Um and it's clearly a failure. I think I think we can market a failure at this point. I so think far, yeah. with how terrible, with how horrible that the development of this this crop of talent of pitchers that I had shoved in my face for like three years about how amazing they all are, all of them but one suck. Like complete ass. Like I that's extremely frustrating. And who knows, man, Daniel Lynch could be terrible tomorrow. Like I, it, I fully expect something like that to happen. To be honest with you, um, and yeah, I mean, I don't really know where the 
you know, change is going to come from. I feel like we've already exhausted a lot of our most exciting prospects. Like these guys that were supposed to be the changing it are already here and they're doing nothing. That's Um, the thing is like you are literally like not only, like you said, exhausting them. I think that's a good word because you're bringing them up and they're excited and they're a breath of fresh air, but they're brought into a losing situation immediately and it just kills the vibe. It just kills everything. It's not like a Wander Franco who goes to Tampa, who's a contender, and he's a hyped uh-huh. up prospect, and he's able to contribute to winning. That's something that goes a long way for a player. When you're not able to contribute anything because your team's so shit, like, oh yeah, I might get two hits, but we're going to lose by six runs. It just kills the vibe. It kills all of the, the good feeling you might have about it. I agree. And to make matters worse, it's an 162-game season yeah. of nine-inning games with 50 jillion commercial breaks yeah. and 20,000 pitching changes. And yeah. it's just – it's exhausting. It's really exhausting to have a shit okay. baseball team. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen the video of the dude that gets called out because he took too long in the minor leagues? Yeah, I did see this. He was, I don't want baseball to go to that He had two guys. strikes. Like, I – on him and he was in the batter's box he just hadn't looked up yet and they called him out on strikes because he took too long like if we go to that i will lose my minor league i'm gonna assume that's one minor league umpire you don't need to worry about that i'm just saying saying, you can't have that and it won't happen at the mlb like it's not going to be tolerated i'm sure it's not going to be tolerated at that level either uh so you know at the same time though at the same time, I, like, okay, the MLB has those, like, the new pitching, pitch calling system yeah. with, like... I love I don't, it. I, I think it's yeah. sick. It's a good And idea. it speeds the game up a ton. Like, yeah. games are, like, on average, like, 15 minutes shorter, something like that. Yeah. Um, Like, I get that you don't want to have people getting called out for that. But if there are things you can do to make it to where you don't have guys that are standing in the box for 20 goddamn seconds before they get into it, I mean... I think there are plenty of players that make the game more boring by being like, I got to take 30 seconds to take a deep breath and all this shit before every pitch. Like I, and maybe this just comes from my frustration as like a Royals fan who watches games and gets no enjoyment out of it. But like, it's annoying when you're waiting for shit like that. So as much as it might suck, the people get called out. Like if, if like three people getting called out for not paying attention is the price we have to pay to speed the game up by like eight seconds per at bat, which is actually a lot. I am down with it, but that me being a non baseball, like fundamentalist, I guess. So I think I have a rule that actually makes it even better is that, and this would actually speed up the game a lot is once you're in the batter's box, you can't get out. You cannot leave the batter's box. There's no taking time. There's no taking time. That's bullshit. What are you taking time for? There's no reason to take time. In between pitches, can you step out? In between pitches, like, fine. But, like, once you step in okay, the batter's yeah, box for yeah. the next you're pitch, in, you're in. you are not getting out. And that's same for the pitchers. Once you step on the mound to pitch, you're not stepping off. I think if a pitcher steps off, it should be an automatic ball. And if a hitter steps out of the batter's box, it should be an automatic strike. It would reduce the, it would reduce the slowness of the game. It would speed the game up so much. I mean, I hate saying this. But in 10 years, I think we'll know if baseball is going to make it another 100 years or not. I mean, also robot umps. It's it's overdue. I've no. watched so many games this year. Robot umps are not doing it. What do you mean? 
Have you like, been watching this year? Guy, the amount of shit calls I've had to watch, especially on Ben Attendee, it feels like him for some reason, like because he's a lefty, a pitch is at least four or five inches off the plate and they're calling it strikes. Like, why do we not use a computer that will get it right every time? Crickets? <laughs> yeah. No, sorry, I, I was mean, on mute. I'm in the hallway. Um, what I'm was sorry, the question? I'm, I'm just, he's asking why aren't we using robot arms? My. My opinion on that is, like, there has to be a human element to the game, just like every other sport. No, no. See, and no. this is where I disagree. No, I because, disagree too. Because why Why do you, like, want – why would you be against things that make the game more fair? Like, that is that is the number one, like, top thing of importance for me. Like, if there are measures you can take to make the game fair, like – in my opinion, improves the quality of the product way more. Yeah. Like, look, imagine if you're a pitcher arms. that's really good at hitting the bottom left corner of the zone, and there's one umpire that Listen. really gives it away, and there's another one that doesn't. It makes the game weird. Like, do you want the game to be random as shit? You do realize with robot arms that you're still going to have a human calling balls or strikes. No. It's going to be telling. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's what it's going to be. The computer let, is going to say finish. if it's a ball or a strike. And the MLB, like it is set in the minor leagues, the umpire can overrule it. So therefore, you will still have missed balls and strikes. Like no, they cannot overrule it. Yes, they can. First Look of all, it up. I okay. promise. Well, then if they can overrule it, then the then the problem is with the way that the rule is being implemented and not the rule itself. Because they should only like, be able to overrule it. They should only be able to overrule it if it's like clear and obvious that the pitch was like. Either well, what if it's clear and obvious into that into that umpire's mind? I mean, that's what pass interference is. I mean, look, in my opinion, exactly. And this is my opinion. They should just get rid of the home plate umpire completely. Get the fuck out of there. Just don't exist. The Are computer... you gonna have safe and out calls? Okay, there can be one for that. But my point is that the home plate umpire does not call balls and strikes ever. No, uh, no human calls that. It's a computer only. And if the computer starts jacking up, then you obviously fix it. But I don't see why not. It's the easiest Wait, way to let do me it. Fix it. Let's let's just uh, have a thirty minute delay of fixing the computer. So you're you're pro humans calling wrongfully balls and strikes because that's what we're doing right now. We're I am pro have a robot umpire in an umpire's ear, but let the umpire have the final say. Okay, that there's no so, point so of a, a robot ump then because the, if the umpire thinks it's a strike, he's going to overrule it every time. Over time, over time, it will start to be shown. That they will work. It's no. just gonna take longer. No, I'm not just. I'm not. I'm not for it. Just put the robot on part of there, and then we're done. No, why I not? That slowly... would solve the entire problem. It won't though. I can't How? wait for teams it, to get fucked by if this. It said, if it said, we we all on, we all on TV watched the fucking okay. game with, with the box, hang on. right? Hang on. Hang and on. when hang you hang see on. the box, Josh, and the ball is outside of the box, and they call it a strike, what do you think to yourself? You're pissed, right? Because you're like, that is not a strike. That's a ball. The computer will fix that. The computer will make sure every time it's in the box, it's yeah. a strike. And every time it's not in the box, it's a ball. Yeah. I, like, is my it, question. It's, it's literally as simple as ball in box is strike, ball out of box isn't. Yes. It, don't tell me that the technology doesn't exist. Because does. we sit there and watch the games with it in front of our eyes. Yeah. Like, that's the most insane thing to me. The MLB broadcast literally exposed the fact that the sport is corrupt. Like, they... <laughs> uh, 
I I can't handle the non-computer um propaganda. I just it's don't ridiculous. see. I just don't think we see it for a while. Well, that's probably I true. But feel like if we don't, that's stupid. But, but yeah, I feel like we should. I feel like it's like, look, it's like if fucking like. Here, I'm trying to think of a good example of this, but it's literally like if in basketball, the rims changed every night a certain direction. Like they changed a little bit. One day they're a little smaller. One day they're a little bigger. One day they're a little wider. One day they're a little taller. You know, it's like if they changed every single night. That's what the MLB is right now. That's what it is. Like as a pitcher. You don't know a, a strike zone until you start throwing. And that's not the way it should be. It should be the same strike zone every single night for every single pitcher. You know right down the middle is a strike. Right down the middle, like, but fuck right down Jared, the middle is a home run. You don't, don't throw know a major league zone. hitter right down the middle. I understand that, but you can't say they don't know the strike zone. Well, every umpire strike zone, and it depends on the night, changes. And that's not good for the sport. But, it's Jared, not good okay, to be like, I agree with that. But an MLB pitcher knows about 90% of the strike zone. They just don't know that each 2.5% to, yeah, each 2.5% in each corner to how far you can go. They know 90% of the strike zone. Okay, and they don't would know 100% out of that of bullshit. They would know 100% of it if it was computerized. Really? Would the strike zone be shown during the game, like, to them too? They would know, the point it? is, like, someday a guy will call high strikes, and then the next day the same umpire won't call the same pitch a strike. That's the problem is that there's very little consistency within these umpires when this, you know, one day an umpire might be calling tons of strikes. One day he might not be giving you any close calls. It just is random as hell and they need to, they need to find a way to make it less random and more consistent. And if that means computer umpires, then I'm fine with it. If, if, if there were humans that would call the same pitches the same way every single time, we wouldn't need computers. But that's impossible because human error exists. So that's why you bring in a computer that's just going to automate it. I mean, we'll find out. I mean, I'm sure that early on there will be flaws with it. I'm not saying it's going to be a perfect system. Okay, but this, this has been the dumbest thing we've ever spent 20 minutes talking about. That's why, like, that's I don't why even I get what Josh is saying. That I think they can, e they can ease their way into it. I mean, they kind of are, right? Do you By want starting them in the to minors? ease their way into it? Yes, I don't want to. I don't want next year, robot umpire, no more. Like that's it. Like I think there's ways to ease into it. So, but you can just. So ease you think into... that by doing wait, and you think that by going straight into robot umps that teams are going to get screwed? Yes, but going but okay, but, and but, but in the same breath, but in the same breath because next year. Think about this. The Let last me, game okay, of this shut year. Jackson, shut up. Let me say this. Shut up, Jackson. I'm I'm not Jackson, dumbass. I know. I'm telling you to talk. How will teams get okay, screwed? So by the Cubs broadcast explained how the uh, umpire strike zone works with computers. It's from like the middle of the chest to right, to like right at the knees, something like that. Mm -hmm. Let's yeah. say, for example, tonight, what do you do for MJ Melendez? Uh, what, what? you what's put that? you put it at the what's, what's the MJ chest Melendez strike zone? What's it's MJ the same the strike zone knees. as everybody else? Oh, but where's his where's his middle of the chest? You put the strike zone where the middle of his chest he, is. He goes and stands at the plate, and the computer renders it. Yeah. Oh, so we so we need we need that. a we need to throw a pitch and just not have no. anything happen. You don't need to throw. So a then, pitch. what are we gonna do? Okay, okay. You know what? We're done talking, Josh. You're but, an idiot. No, you're like because no, we're going back to the ninety percent <laughs> that we always know. No, 
first of all, it's not always 90%. There is umpires like Angel Hernandez who will randomize the fuck out of their zones. So Which 90%. I agree yeah. with. I still don't get what you, like, Josh, do you not think that a computer is, like, not designed to, like, process where someone's chest is? Like, I'm very confused John, as to, like... it is, but, like, so what, how are you going to measure it before MJ comes out and swings? But you don't have to! The computer... <laughs> the, 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 probably, I mean, it's, I would assume it's the same way on the broadcast where the thing is smaller when Jose Altuve walks out there. Like, I... I... I, I would think it's pretty easy, all things considered. And if the counterpoint to that, are are the umps right now interpreting it? Because <laughs> I don't think so. But, yeah, I'm sorry. that Josh, it's just stupid. And I get it's an opinion. You're not supposed to call people's opinions stupid. But this is stupid. <laughs> I stand by it. I mean, I don't care. Okay, well, you're standing by absolutely. So you want it, you want it eased in. You, you do. Yes. So you want it. Okay. How well, is that going to make what is, But what does easing it in mean? Because, like, I would think easing you know how it in. We've, I think you know they how are we've easing it like in. Into the rules of challenges? Exactly. I like the pace that we're going at. No, you like, like they're the, using it we... in the minor leagues first. That is easing it in. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they are easing it in. So, exactly. So I'm happy with what is going. But I'm just saying, next year, if it's literally just robot umpires and that's it, I think you should still have humans. Like, they still have humans behind the plate in the minor leagues, don't they? I, I mean, you're yeah, saying they do. I don't think that the humans are overturning the calls. I'm pretty sure they're just calling what the robot tells them. No, the humans can overturn the calls. I don't see why they How would. How often do as, they? As if, oh, as if a human as if a human is going to be smarter than a simulated computer that is programmed to get it right. Like, that's, that's what I don't get. Like, how is a human going to be smarter than that? How, is, how are we going to say, like, yeah, you know what? This computer that is computed and programmed to do this Here, thing exactly. I looked this up. Can umpires override a robot empire? This came out six days ago. The robot identifies a ball's location, records it, then makes the call. Since battery life was an issue for AirPods, umpires need use an earpiece. If needed, umpires can override the robot's line. As That's they stupid. make the call behind the plate to the fans, the experience appears no different from the low-tech version. That makes no like, sense. Because Josh, what are you saying? Like, are you are you thinking that the computer is going to miss calls more than an actual? Yes, because I've seen a video more than an actual oh, human no, being. No, 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 no. Let me say that. No, but I'm saying this: they're still going to miss calls, and then you're going to blame it on fucking technology, and then you're going to be like, "Why can't we have some human behind there?" I just look if it's if it's bad if it's not programmed good enough to where it's missing calls that are obvious or missing you know calls. What? I hope it fucks over Game Seven of the World Series. Honestly, why? Okay. Because well, good. Because, you know what? Add your lunacy. D four of the week. Here we go. Stupid. I'm done talking about this. D four of the week is the dude from Chattanooga. Cole Strange. Yes. What did well, he do? it's mainly the it's mainly the Patriots. Yeah, I was about to say yes. you can do the Patriots on him. It's not his fault he got taken. Um, my D four of the week. Um, I don't know. I'll just go. I'll go broad here. I'll say the U.S. Supreme Court. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Of course he went there. John, John I won't talk, go any deeper. John will talk sports for an entire hour and then all of a sudden just bring in some political thing that happened. 
It's like my D4 okay, of the week well, is Vladimir Putin. No, we're not No, John, no, John, John, political thing that happens. No, John, no. I'm not talking about I'm not going to talk about political. I'm just saying this is not just some political thing that happened. Like let's call it for what it is. It's a major American event. <laughs> Jackson, what's your D4 of the week? Um I've had I've had a few ideas of this. Um really don't know where I want to go with this. I could have gone with the Royals. Uh I feel like that was too easy of a layup. I I couldn't go Packers here because they ended up taking a receiver high in the second round. So this was actually pretty tough. But I'm just going to go the Royals offense. I know it's a basic answer, but I'm going to have to go with the Royals offense. Cop out. Uh, it's a cop out answer, I know. Ooh, Carlos Santana was scratched due to the right angle soreness. Please be something fucked up. Okay, Josh, and you and you're trying not not in that way. Like I hope he can still career, play his career, but like he's out for the rest of the season. Hopefully, it means yes. Prado's coming up. It's like it's like Gallagher getting hurt. I didn't want him to get hurt, but since it means Melendez is up, that's not the end of the world. Correct. Right? That's where that's how I'm viewing this. Although is Melendez been... playing tonight? Melendez yeah, he's DHing tonight. Which yeah. I will say on the record. Having your first game be a DH is kind of shitty because all you do is sit in the dugout and like think about your at like he's batting what like seventh like he's got to think for like three innings probably about this at bat it's just gonna be like torture at least if you're like hitting or if you're like unless you feel like fielding you can kind of take your mind off of it and now uh, Melendez is gonna be sitting well, in that dugout literally just like tormented by like holy shit I'm about to take him MLB at bat lucky for him he can go 0 for 4 with four strikeouts and he'll barely be worse than the average hitter on the team shit if he gets on base one time it's his on base percentage is going to literally be like double the next guy in the Royals lineup so he's there's not a ton of pressure on him it's not like he's going to the Yankees or Phillies so go for him All right. and good. we will see you guys next week